someone said, why do we worship? And I was like, how could you not? I mean, the second you encounter the goodness of God, no matter what life looks like or even your circumstances, it doesn't change God's goodness. And how could you not? How could you not worship and just love Him so much and not be able to hold back that love? You know, life's a journey, and I have had tough seasons, and I've just had people be there for me that just loved me or gave me an encouraging word or prayed for me. And I, I would have been pretty, in a pretty dark hour had I not had those people just surround me and, and be there for me. And I think that's an expression of God's heart. God loves us to be connected to Him, but when we find Him and see Him in each other, we really are operating in the body of Christ and us. I love the start of that video, hey. When we encounter the goodness of God, how could we not worship Him? For those of you who don't mean, my name's Luke. Um, my toothbrush is orange. I like more no. Um, I've been coming to Orion Hills for 20 years now. Um, I'm the head of worship here at the moment, which I love doing. Um, I just wanted to come tonight and just talk about worship. Worship is something that is on my heart. Worship is something I'm completely passionate about. But worship is also something that we are all, I believe, designed to do. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, First of all, how awesome is it that we can just come and we can join together with each other and we can talk and um, commune with each other, but then sing to God and to spend time in God's presence. There's nothing like this. Something happens when we join as a group of people and we just come and sing to God that um, I can't always put my finger on, but something happens in this space that won't happen anywhere else, and I think it's incredible. Tonight, I just want us to take a bit of a look at why do we worship. If you're like me and you've grown up in the church, it's probably something that you've just done week in, week out on a Sunday when you come to church. Um, I think it's really good for us to ponder, why do we worship? We, it's good for us to stop and think, why are we actually going through these motions and doing what we're doing? Uh, because as Christians, we're so often exposed to the word worship. We're encouraged to seek it and to participate in it. Uh, we do it every Sunday, but what exactly is it? I think a lot of us probably associate I worship with music from the get-go. Um, we associate heavily with singing songs to God. We spend countless hours singing on Sundays, like over half of our service is usually singing a song to God. Um, we encourage each other to listen to worship music. Tonight, we've set aside an entire night to just have music and worship God. If you're anything like me, you will constantly be on Spotify listening to worship albums, following worship artists on Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that. But what exactly is it? I think musical worship is a crucial part of our journey, and it's important. It's key. Something actually happens when we sing songs, when we release a song from our lungs and from our heart that doesn't happen in any other area. But if we just focus on music, we actually miss the heart of worship. We miss the bigger picture of what worship really is. See, I'm a teacher, and I like to get like definitions of things and to start from there. I think it's really good. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines worship as a verb, so it's an action, yeah, something we have to do. It says, to regard with great and extravagant respect, honour or devotion, or to honour and show reverence, which is respect and admiration. So worship, to the core of its word, is an action, something that we do, something that requires a conscious decision from us, something that demonstrates a great or extravagant action. I just want you guys to hold on to that for a second. Great and extravagant. There are two key words in that definition there. But I think worship is something else. The type of action that worship is, is a response. As Christians, it's our right response to God and what He's doing and His goodness. Yeah, we sing about that. Our first two songs tonight have been about the faithfulness and the goodness of God. So worship's just our right response to that. 
It's a response to the revelation and to the wonder of our God. If we look in the Bible, we see countless times that in response to the acts of God, His people in the good times and the bad stop and worship Him. They give Him extravagant respect and honour and they devote themselves to Him. I was just thinking about it and we look at stories like Daniel and the lion's den. The second Daniel comes out of the lions alive, him and King Darius actually worship God. And furthermore, King Darius goes on to decree that the entire world needs to worship Daniel's God. David, King David, the second his um, firstborn is killed, do you know what he goes and does? He goes and sits in the temple and he worships for 12 hours. Now that's a bad situation, but his response to the God that he knows and his goodness is to worship. Um, we see uh, the Psalms are full of times where David just stops and worships in the good and the bad. The disciples, as Jesus is taken up to heaven after the Great Commission, they worship together in response to the glory that God is. Even Paul commands the people in Ephesians and Colossians, Corinthians, sorry, um, to worship God as a holy practice. So it's a response. It's an action. Yeah, it's something we need to do. But I also think more than that, it's actually what we're made for as humans. I think this is my key point tonight. If you take anything away tonight, the two points I want you to take away is that worship is our response to what God is doing, but we are also made for worship. It's in our design. We are designed to worship. Over the past few years, this has probably been the biggest eye-opener for me, Um, just realizing that I was created to be a worshiping being, like I'm created to give worship. And we are all worshippers in one way or another, whether we like it or not. That's a pretty big statement. And I think if we stop and think about that, we can see that. We all worship something. We all give praise and adoration and glory to something. Um, It's actually our design, like I've said. If we look at Isaiah 43, verse 7, it just says, Everyone who is called by my name, who I have created for my glory, whom I have formed and made. God is talking about we are created for His glory. Yeah? We are created as a being to give God glory and to worship Him. In Genesis, I'm just going to have a look at Genesis for a bit because that's where humans start. That's the beginning of us. That's our blueprint, our design, is when we see Adam and Eve in the garden. The book of Genesis tells us that God created mankind in His own image. Yeah? So we're made in God's image. And from reading through, we see the image that Adam and Eve had a relationship with God, where they walked in the cool breeze of the day and they could talk and commune with God. How amazing is that? Just stop and think about it for a second. Imagine being able to walk alongside God in the garden where everything is perfect. That's how we were designed to be. That's how humans were um, created, to be able to walk and talk with the Creator. When Adam and Eve were created, they simply walked in the garden in a relationship, the right relationship with God. It's what God intended. It's what He wanted. And we assume that God was pleased with this. After all, He is the Creator. And God created the heavens, the earth, the sea, everything we see, and it was good. But when God created mankind in His image, it was very good. It's the first time we hear that it's very good. So we're created to be like Him. Now, there are so many things that we can take away from the garden, from our genesis about how we should worship. Adam and Eve, who are the templates for us as humans, yeah? They're the first humans ever created. We're created to do things that nothing else could do and to worship God in ways nothing else could. No tree, no stream of water, no animal can journey with God and worship Him in the way that we can. Have a think about it. Like we know all of creation reflects God's glory, but none of creation can journey with God and listen to what He says about us and then give it back to Him. 
Yeah? None of creation can hear that God loves us and then turn it back and say that we love you. That's something that only humans can do. That's crazy. Think about that for a second. We are created in this brilliant relationship where we get to walk with God and He gets to speak over us and from there we can reflect back His goodness and glory to Him. I think that's crazy. Like, that's incredible. That's something really special that only we as humans have. In the garden as well, there were no books of theology that Adam and Eve could study. They had no one telling them what to do, when to raise their hands, what to sing. All they had was the blueprint of the Father's heart on their own and what God had to say about Him, about them. And yet we see that was more than enough. That was very good. All Adam and Eve needed to worship God was a relationship, the right relationship with Him. They had these first-hand revelations with God, and from this place, they worshipped and encountered God. We can only assume that they worshipped Him because of His goodness. So it's encounters and revelations of God that prompted the response of Adam and Eve. So we are designed to worship, and worship's our response. You see, God wanted us as humans to be in that right relationship. Like I said, that's our design from the very beginning. No barriers, nothing to separate us. But if we read just one chapter over in Genesis, we talk about the fall, where everything went wrong. Adam and Eve sinned, um, and we lost that. We lost that right relationship with God. And what happened is worship turned into sacrifices and rituals. And for that time, it was good, but that's not what God wants for us. God wants us to be in a relationship. You know what the beautiful thing is? Romans 5.19 is absolute truth, and it declares that even though one man's disobedience opened the door for all humanity to become sinners. So Adam and Eve stuffing up in the garden created us to be all sinners, and we lost that perfect relationship. So also one man's obedience opened the door for many more to be made perfectly right and acceptable to him. I put up the Passion Translation because I love that part. Perfectly right with God. Because of Jesus' death on the cross... We are in that relationship like we were back in the garden before we even had the fall. Jesus has given us the perfect relationship. How insane is that? One man's obedience, Jesus' death on the cross, has opened the door for us to be perfectly right with God and acceptable to Him. Because of this act on the cross, we no longer need to look at Adam and Eve as a distant relationship that's untouchable to us and something of the past. We have access to that. And not only do we have access to the Father, we have access to the Holy Spirit, which lives inside of us now. We talk about worshipping in spirit and in truth. Well, the Spirit's right inside of us, yeah? How thankful are we for that? We have the ability to truly do now what we are made for, to worship God. Just let that sink in for a while. Like, that is the biggest game changer for me over the years, is the fact that we are called to give God all the glory. And He's actually created us that way. That's our natural being as humans, is to worship God and to celebrate Him and to give Him all the glory. I'm going to go out there and do something a bit crazy. We're going to jump into Revelation for a little bit. I never thought I'd ever touch Revelations, but here we go. Right? I want us to look at this piece of Scripture from chapter 4 as a bit of a case study. Because I love what it says about worshipping God. And I believe there's so many valuable things that we can take away from this. Just look at what is our true worship. Revelation chapter 4, verse 6 to 11 says, Around the throne on each side stood four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in the front and the back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third was a face like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and were covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. 
And whenever the living creatures give glory, honour and thanks to Him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him and who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. They lay down their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they are created and have their being. I love that. We've got this picture of the throne room in heaven where there's these four creatures and these 24 elders who are constantly worshipping God day in and out. Some of the other translations say they worship without ceasing day and night. Now, I did a bit of research because I had to, to dive into Revelation. And some of the commentaries talk about the way we interpret this. Because if you know the book of Revelation, it's a vision that John gets. But they talk about, I love this. One of the commentaries I was reading was by a guy called Gregory Beale. And he mentions that John intended the readers to see what is told of in the vision as a heavenly pattern that the church would reflect in its worship rather than the, ta- uh, rather than the other way around. Just as the heavenly pattern of the tabernacle shown to Moses on the mountain was to be copied by Israel in the construction of their own tabernacle. So the common theme of how we interpret this is a set of instructions for us on how to worship here on earth. And we're going to unpack this quickly, just as the multiple commentaries suggest, a heavenly pattern that the church is to reflect, a reference for us of what worship looks like in heaven. It's a picture that John receives of the throne room where God is dwelling. That is incredible. And look, if the worship around the throne room is pleasing to God, then I'm more than happy to take some pointers from that. The first thing we see out of this entire picture here is the throne. Everything is occurring around the throne in this uh, passage and in this vision. But on the throne is seated God, yeah? That's so crucial. Everything that worship revolves around needs to be God. He is the one who is seated on that throne. That is the most natural place for a response to happen. In heaven on the throne room is God and all around Him is worship. It seems really simple, but I think we can often forget that. Like I said, we're all created to worship, but what are we worshiping? What is on the throne for us? Because it needs to be God. That's what this vision is showing us. Worship in heaven, the most purest form of worship, is God sitting up on the throne. We're all created to worship and that's our natural response, but God being the one enthroned on our praises is actually the truest form of worship. When He is at the center of it all, that's where true worship flows. That's the second picture I got of that, is when God is at the center of it, we can't help but worship day and night without ceasing, singing holy, holy, holy. When we see God in His rightful place, what else is there to respond but to worship? That's the first thing we see and that underpins everything. If we miss that, we miss the whole picture here. But God, it needs to be at the center of our worship. The next part we see is these four creatures. There's a few theories about what they are. Some say they represent the created order. Some say they are the four different images that Jesus portrayed throughout the Gospels. But what I can see here is they're just beings that are closer to the throne than the 24 elders. So they're in this middle part, yeah? Um, They're holy beings. They're intelligent beings, which is implied by the numerous eyes that cover their wings. Like it's a literary form when we repeat something is for emphasis. And that's what we can kind of see here. That these are intelligent beings, more than humans, more than us. But what are they doing? I can only assume that with their wings full of eyes, they're constantly seeing multiple perspectives of God, seeing different sides of Him. And as a response to that, they are worshipping without ceasing day and night, declaring and proclaiming, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They're assigning worth and holiness to God. 
last year, June, July, I went over to Bethel and I was privileged to sit for a while. And one of the sermons I sat through was on the wonder of God and how we can never lose the wonder of God if we want to be truly worshipping. And they used this passage and they talked about these beasts, these beings, whatever you want to call them, up around the throne room need to be covered in eyes because there's so much of God to be revealed to us that we can never stop worshipping. We'll never stop being able to find something about God to give Him glory for. I think that's incredible. Like He is an endless well of discovery for us that's going to prompt us to continue worshipping day and night, night and day. So we've got God on the throne at the centre of it all. From that, we've got these intelligent beings who are worshipping day and night and seeing God over and over again for who He is. The last thing we see is the 24 elders who are often represented as the collective church, us, in this vision. And what are they doing? In response to God who's sitting on the throne and in response to the beings worshipping, they are bowing down in maximum awe and wonder and taking off their crowns and giving them to God. In response to the one seated on the throne, they're bowing down and surrendering these crowns to God. That's crucial for us because worship is also an act of surrendering. The image there of surrendering the crowns is taking off their control, taking off their worth and giving it to God who rightfully deserves it. Yeah, when a king takes off his crown, he's almost dethroning himself. He's saying that I'm not worthy to wear this and he doesn't have any control anymore. But that's what they're being stirred to do. The revelation of God for us should be to give up and respond in worship. How cool is that? We've got this picture that represents creation and all the heavens in awe and wonder of Christ, worshipping in the throne room, throne room of God, which is the maximum place of awe and wonder. The only natural thing to do is worship. The only natural thing to do is to surrender our crowns and to give Him what He deserves. If this is the vision from John that was to reveal the heavenly pattern for the church to follow, what are we going to take away from this? We see that when God is at the center of it all, we can't help but worship Him endlessly. It's the natural response to when God is rightfully enthroned. Like I said before, we are all created to worship. And that can be fatal for us if we're worshiping the wrong thing because that's our human tendency is to do that, is to, to assign worth and glory and honor to something. But we need to keep our eyes on God and to give Him that because that's the most natural thing for us to do. That's what the picture of the throne room of heaven is. It's us giving God all the glory, to give Him all the honor and glory and to surrender everything over to Him, the Creator. Even the heavenly realms are responding with pure adoration when God is on the throne. So let's be reminded of this. We are created to worship. From the beginning, that has been our design. Adam and Eve, the Genesis, that's all they did is they walked with God in the right relationship and they were able to give Him their offering of worship and give Him all the glory and the honor that He deserves. It's our natural response to the revelation and the wonder of God. We can't do anything else but worship Him when we see the wonder of Christ. And we're created to do it, which just means it's actually the most natural thing for us as humans to do. Like, just wrap your head around that for a second. As human beings, we're these complex things made up of everything. And we have our own minds and free will and all this. But the most natural thing for us to do is to bow down and surrender our crowns and to give God the glory. That's how we were created. That's what I just want to remind us of tonight, guys. It's pretty simple. 
But I think it's crucial that we come back and we remember why we are created and what it's for. We're created to worship God and all worship is our natural response to His glory being made known to us. It could be looking at a beautiful storm that's occurring outside. It could be singing a song. But our natural response is to give God the glory back for all that when He is revealed. So that's what we're just going to continue doing tonight. As we just remember that we are created for that, and that's our natural response, there's just going to be a whole bunch of different ways that we can action that. The band are going to keep singing and praising, and we can look at that as a way to just sing out. Just a side note, something crazy happens when you sing. I'm not sure if you noticed that, but that comes from inside. That doesn't come from up here. When we sing praises to God, it actually comes from our heart and through our lungs. And something happens where we just give God the natural response back. We sing that song here all the time. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. That's what we're doing. We're just giving God back what He's given us. So you can sing. We've got the communion station set up over here. That's our response to what Jesus has done. I'm not sure if you caught that before, that Jesus dying on the cross has brought us back to being in a perfect relationship with God. As if we were walking side by side next to again with the Spirit inside of us. That's such a valuable relationship. Nothing comes close to that. It's the most purest form of what we should be with God. So there's a station over there whenever you want to go and give Him awe and wonder for what He's done on the cross. We've got a prayer wall over here. And all we want to do with this is just give God praise and honour and pray over what He's doing to sign Him the glory back there on the things He's already done in our church because God is working here and He's always working here. And it's so good to reflect on that and give Him the the honour for that. And then we have at the back as well a mirror just over there behind the black dividers. And on the mirror it says, God loves what you see. It should say, God loves what you see. We are created in the image of God. So just go over there and reflect for that for a second and give Him the the glory for that. And finally, we've got some offering bags at the back and Simon at the compassion table. Sometimes our praise and our worship is a sacrifice of our humanness, yeah? It might be a sacrifice of our finances. But in that, God gets the glory. Sponsoring a kid, God is getting the glory, and that's just us trying to act like Jesus to be His hands and feet by maybe sacrificing a bit of money, sacrificing three coffees a week just so these kids can get a chance to live and get an education in a a better circumstance than they're in now. But all I want to leave you with tonight is those two simple things. It's not much. But just remember, we are designed to worship Creator. That's the most natural thing that you and I can do, is in everything we do is to worship Him. And all that looks like is making sure that we are giving Him all the glory and all the honour, that we are responding to His goodness in everything we do. If we can get our heads around that, that's such a a game changer. So that's what we're going to do for the rest of the night. I just encourage you to take this moment. These guys, yeah, it's going to keep going. I'm just going to pray and we're just going to go for it. Father God, I thank you, Lord. We thank you that your desire is for us to be in a right relationship with you. That God, your desire is for us to to have that personal relationship where we can walk alongside you and we can talk with you and we can commune with you. Lord, I thank you that you love us and we can just respond to that. I thank you that you're constantly with us, God. Father, help us to see what our original design actually means for us in our day today. 
Help us to see that what happened back in the garden isn't some distant story that we tell in Sunday school, but it's a reality of what you wanted for us. And I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross so that reality becomes reality. So just help us, Lord. Prompt us. Prompt us to worship you, Father. Lord, I pray that our eyes will be open to your goodness in every situation, whether it's sitting behind a counter serving someone a coffee, or it's at uni studying, or it's in our jobs doing whatever we do, Lord. Help us to see the goodness in that from you, Father, and to respond to that, to assign you the worth and the glory and the honor, Father, because it is useless anywhere else. It just falls on deaf ears anywhere else. So God, help us to understand that. We love you, God, and we are so thankful for all that you were doing for us, even though you don't have to, God, but you want that relationship. So, Lord, I pray as we just go out that this isn't a Sunday night. This message just sticks with us, that we are created to worship you. We are designed to worship you. Help us to see what that looks like in our own context, God, because it's going to be different for all of us, God. But just make it apparent to us tonight, God, as we worship you, as we partake in this with you, Lord. Your name, amen. So feel free to just move around. Spend this next bit of time is just for you to respond to the goodness of our God because He is a good God no matter how you look at it. That's who He is in His heart. He's a loving Father who loves us.